KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Happy Monday to you, beautiful Monday to you. As Trent and I come to you live from uh, Principal Park, our home away from home this summer, as the I-Cubs complete their homestand today with a, a day game under ideal conditions. 12.08 is the first pitch. If you have an opportunity, you can sneak away from the office. What a great way to, well, start your week. Play a little hooky over uh, the lunch hour. Come on down, catch some baseball outdoors where it's meant to be played under perfect conditions. Very few clouds in the sky here today. Uh, as the I-Cubs wrap up the homestand before heading on the road, they are on the road uh, returning June the 20th. So the next 10 days, the team will be gone June the 20th, the homestand uh, through the 28th. Coming up on the program today, well, obviously, we'll take a good long look into last night's Game 6, ahead to tonight's Game 5 in the NBA as Nick Nurse's Toronto Raptors can wrap it up. Uh, Brian Walton's our first guest. He was at Wrigley Field for the weekend covering Cubs cards. Uh, from the Cardinal perspective, he writes for the CardinalNation.com. Brian Walton, in about oh, 25 minutes or thereabouts, we'll get to Brian. Dylan Mont slides in here at about 10.45, his regular spot on a Monday. Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs, Trent and I. Well, we'll talk baseball with Randy. We'll do some AAA stuff, but we'll also move up to the majors uh, maybe some of the graduating players uh, that have the AAA stop on their resume. Uh, as Javi Baez did it again last night, Trent. Oh, my God, he's fun to watch. Uh, so we'll do that with Randy Wayhofer and then Scott Dockerman, who went through games 1 through 12 for Iowa's schedule yesterday, kind of a, um, a worst of best, if you will, games on the schedule. Did you know as I was looking at it? Great to see you, by the way. You too. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. You? Yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Let, birthday never left party. the house. Oh, you had a birthday party. Birthday party for Ella out of Chow's, so the kids got to oh, do nice. gymnastics, and we got to sit up top and watch him. It was a great birthday. They didn't have to clean up the house. No, you can't Even that. better. Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get Scott Darkman on 1 through 12. Where I wanted to go, I went, uh, as I read Doc's piece over the weekend, and maybe you haven't, as I haven't, really just began to focus on college football yet. Don't want to tease myself knowing it's still, <laughs> what, how many days away? 80-something? 80 80-some, 80 yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, the, the new quarterbacks that Iowa has on their schedule this year, there's oh. eight of them. Eight? Now, I don't know what the, what the average would be. Clearly, it changes. You know, we, you're mm-hmm. going to play a number of teams, but eight seems high. You know, my, one of my takeaways, he was talking about the Middle Tennessee quarterback mm-hmm. who had just graduated, Stockdale. Yep, yep, yep. Who his Brandon, dad's, I think. His dad's the coach. Yeah. And he was really good. And they're mm-hmm. a good mid-major, won nine games a year ago, but they'll be going through a new one. But I didn't realize the number was yeah. eight new quarterbacks. Right. That's substantial. Well, I threw Purdue in because I don't yep. think Sindelar played against Iowa. I think it was David Blau who played against them last year. Well, and Sindelar was terrible. He had a bad year. They, they bad lost year. to Eastern Michigan, and he was a big reason for mm-hmm. that a year ago. So, yeah, he Blau's been a Hawkeye killer the last couple of years. I've always liked David Blau, Trent. Mm-hmm. I always do. Of course, I like Rondell Moore a whole lot, too. Well, that helps. Yeah, he is unbelievable. And enjoy him this year and then again next year before he scampers off and becomes Tyreek <laughs> Hill on the field, hopefully only, who... I guess, uh, you know, that's a story that's going to play out. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it now, but maybe we can do later on in the week. By the way, later on in the week, this kind of snuck up on me 
a little bit, and maybe it shouldn't have because the Father's Day commercials, just one after another, Menards, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, on TV this weekend. But Father's Day weekend means the U.S. Open, and the U.S. Open will uh, be played this week. And I looked at my DirecTV TV guide. I yep. flipped forward to Saturday and Sunday. We've got golf until 9 o'clock. Prime night. time. Awesome. West Coast, so Pebble good. Pebble Beach, yep. A couple years ago, what, San Francisco and what we've seen somewhere in Washington had Washington, it. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the name of the course, but it was just criticized yes. one uh, by one golf writer after another, but uh, who cares? It's Pebble Beach. This it's one Pebble will Beach. be, Yep, you can't criticize, regardless of how it plays, can't criticize it. I was uh, listening to some golf coverage over the weekend, and I can't remember From what the- where? Uh, it was a podcast. Oh, okay. It was a gambling podcast. <laughs> More importantly, but gambling's uh, gonna. You know what? You mentioned that. I don't want to interrupt you for very long, but gambling is one of the sports that's about to get a big uptick. Oh yeah, yeah. Golf and With gambling, sports wagering. Yes, I mean, go right. hand in hand. Sorry, go ahead. But but they said this uh, commentator that they believe there's really realistically only 12 guys that could win this tournament if the course is playing in U.S. Open conditions. Mm. Really, only 12 guys that can win this tournament. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic. That number's probably a little bit higher than that, but still. I hope so. This, the way the course could be set up, and we'll find out more this week, certainly could lead to that. Do you like that? Do you like going into a weekend and no. pretty much only the stars have a chance, if you will? Well, I know the TV networks do yes. because they know that you know one of those stars might be Tiger Woods mm-hmm. or Phil Mickelson, who's never won a U.S. Open and he's Dustin running out Johnson. of chances. Dustin Johnson, some of the big names, mm-hmm. Spieth, McElroy, uh, some of the names in golf that move the needle. I don't know if Brooks Kepka does. As good as he is? Yeah. Well, he's obviously one of those guys, yeah. 12, that certainly can well, win it. But is he is he a appointment TV kind of – as good as he is, Trent, think about this. Yeah. I'm not sure he is. Well, and it's so interesting because, well, we wanted to see more personality. You know, that the, mm-hmm. the first U.S. Open and then the second U.S. Open, it was, eh, I need a little bit more. He showed personality last time out. He, he, was, he was talking trash. He was mm-hmm. believing that he should win every tournament that he enters and on and on and on. And that still wasn't enough. I, I just, but yet the biggest takeaway from the, from the non-golf was the fact that he, his girlfriend tried to give him a good right. luck kiss. Uh, and he pulled away. Right, and he pulled away, and that's what we talked about. Right. I don't know what it is. Is it just he didn't burst onto the scene? He wasn't know. a guy we talked about when he was 20? I mean, there, there might be – who's the guy that has all the irons that are the same? The guy that wears a stupid hat. Oh, I don't know. The young guy, probably 23, 24. What do you mean all the irons? They're they're all the same length? length? Yes. I don't know. Oh, and I can't even think of the guy's name. But he was somebody that came onto the scene, and he kind of had this something completely different. He calls it one true swing. He swings the same with every one of his clubs because they're all basically set up the same way. And he came onto the scene right away. It just, Brooks Kepa never was that. It was a couple years. Oh, Mm -hmm. you saw his name, and then he's winning, and he's winning, winning, and he's winning again. And there wasn't a whole lot of substance back behind it, I guess. Well, I hope he doesn't win this week. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> You're rooting against him. Yeah, I'm not, uh, maybe I am. Brooks I'm, Kepner I'm of the for, field? Are we getting Tiger. close to that? We might be. Yeah. Yeah, we did that last time at the... Uh, uh, at the PGA, and uh, and Brooks Kepka yes. took care of the field. Well, the St. Louis Blues were taken care of last night by Boston Boy and Blues fans. They did their part, Trent. They, they packed that place. They spent a lot of money. A lot of them did to, you know... Um, to fulfill the sports dream for some of those people last night, you know, maxed out credit cards to get into the <laughs> building. You know, I think the cheapest ticket was 2500 bucks or thereabouts to see their team. The cup was in the building, as it always is for a game six. But uh, nonetheless, the cup was in St. Louis, and the home team had an opportunity 
uh, to skate around the ice with it, and the celebration would have been on, but that wasn't the case as Boston gets a a five-on-three power play. Marchant uh, scores the first goal of the game, and it was on at that point. But you know what? Honestly, if you're a Blues fan today, and it's easy for me to say this because uh, I'm not, but this is how I truly feel. I thought St. Louis was the better team last night. You then did. Now, the score was 5-1 until it got away. Mm-hmm. I mean, Char's goal was an empty net. Right. And you could tell that, I think it was, was it, well, 2 nothing. it was still, you know, the Blues were still coming. 3 nothing. The air went out of the building. The air seemed to, the, the life was lost on the bench. They made it 3-1. It kind of reignited a little bit. But for the most part, I thought the Blues were outplaying them and outplaying them badly. It seemed like the ice was tilting. They got to seemingly every loose puck that was out there. And Tuka Rask, I mean, Boston's goalie, was is the sole reason. Now they scored five goals <laughs> against Bennington, so they, they scored. But to me, the sole reason that this cup is still, that we're going to see a game seven was the guy between the pipes for the Boston Bruins and Tuka Rask. So I got a theory here, and my theory goes like this. I'm sure I'm not alone with this thinking, but losing in this fashion, losing 5-1 as the final score indicates. As opposed to getting your heart broken? Yes, as opposed to losing in overtime or or losing 3-2 and one that comes down to the wire. Easier to bounce, yeah. Easier to bounce back in a way, Uh, just because being that close. And this is just all right. Let's back to the drawing board. Figure Mm -hmm. things out. We got one chance. There's one game to win. Let's go do it here. We didn't win this game. You know what I'm saying? Where I don't know. Losing that great on the road. Yes, great on the road in these playoffs. Really good point. It's I think that kind of loss is easier to swallow than one that's decided late. It's easier to flush Mm -hmm. it. Move on. We got one game. Let's go win the cup. Let's go to Boston. We've been great there. We've been great on the road. Let's go do it there and finish it off that way. I think that's something that popped into my head as it was winding down last night is maybe this isn't a bad thing for the Blues. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad. You never want to lose 5-1, obviously, but losing in this fashion may be easier to bounce back. Did you see uh, the last 16, though, Stanley Cup game sevens? Uh, What what have you got? The record. For the home, home team in, the, in in Game Seven in the Stanley Cup, last, and you're going 16 of them. Yep. Well, I I mean I would think that the home team would be have the most. I I guess I really don't know. 12 and four the home team is mm. over those last 16. So it's so it's a decidedly big big number. Blues are good on the road, Trent. Yeah. I thought the Blues were the better team last night for the first 40 minutes. I get the game 60, uh, but uh, if if you're a Blues fan, and I know there's not a lot of you out there. Uh, don't hang your heads. I think this team, this this series is not over. There's still an opportunity for a parade in downtown St. Louis. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. And uh, three to two how... to win now for the Blues. Plus right, 150, then. minus 170 mm-hmm. on the Bruins How about side? the guy that was holding that ticket and just refused Ooh, to yeah. sell it, right? Yeah. I think the last number, it's, he's, he's going to get paid, what, 100 grand if he wins? I think it's 100,000. Is that what it is? And he turned down 75,000. Uh, going into last night at that, uh, what's a profit bet? Is that what it is? It's, there's prop swap. There's prop huge... swap. That's okay. what I'm thinking of. Yep. Uh, yeah, prop swap. He turned that down. As, if you've got a futures ticket, what we're talking about here, and you know, you're close to seeing, that, uh, seeing your futures ticket uh, actually win for you, you can sell it prior to, or different points. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obviously worth a whole lot less prior to the Stanley Cup starting. Uh, but then they got to the final, and it's worth more, and then they win a game, they lose a game, it fluctuates back and forth, but that's another aspect of sports gambling. I'm not sure what the case is. Will that be legal in Iowa? 
selling your tickets? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. I don't know. Now, it might have to be through a third-party site like that that's already set up. I don't know if somebody... Do they have to be licensed to not... Do... I mean, I don't even know if they're licensed anywhere, to be right. honest with you. It's a really good question. And maybe maybe... That's a Brian Arilco topic yes. for later on in the week from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. All right, game five tonight. Again, we're going to save the cards and the Cubs. We've got Brian Walton coming up here at 1025. He spent the weekend at Wrigley Field. How'd your twins do, by the way? We took two out of three. Did they? Got clubbed on Saturday, but mm-hmm. yeah, one Friday and yesterday. Uh, offense was good as always. Three and three week, you know, lost the two out of three to the Indians, but got the final game. To avoid the sweep. Did the Indians make up any ground? No, they're back to ten and a half. Oh uh, they had the Yankees over the weekend. Mm. Bieber got crushed. I watched a little of that yesterday. He was terrible for the Indians yesterday. I think that was the other game on Fox primetime Saturday night, Cleveland Yankees. The crossover, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I think it Makes was. Makes sense. Uh, I, I'm just feeling good about this. You know, it, it's funny. A three and three week, you don't get Craig Kimbrell. There, there's been a lot of hang, mm-hmm. hand wringing there, I know, yep. from Twins fans. I have just, I enjoy this team so much. I still think they are set up incredibly well. They need help, yeah. Everybody needs a little bit of help in some area. I'm just enjoying the ride. There's not very often that you get to have these kind of special seasons. Jonah Carey, I think it was, had his uh, 1 through 30 rankings uh, on The Athletic today. and they got to be number one. Yeah, right? the Twins number one. Yeah. It, my, my team that I normally don't have much optimism for right. is considered the best team by national pundits, uh-huh. the best in baseball. Who's number two? Let me, let me, let me ponder that for a second. Yankees? Oh, no, Houston's got to be. Houston's got to be two on that I list. I think he had Dodgers. Did he? Yeah. Who got one yesterday, one nothing, and I a little talking to Madison yeah, Bumgarner afterwards. Speaking of uh, baseball, quick aside, do you know who the second wild card team, if the playoffs started today, and they don't, but if they started today in the American League, who the second wild card would be? Do you? Th- so you um, right now, as of today, as of today, I'm going to surprise you. Yeah, because I know you know. Oh, I know. Texas Rangers. You got it. Yeah. Might be leading to a conversation with, with our David guy down Raymond. there. Well, o- Odor stole home yesterday. Did you see that? Play? I didn't know. Oh, that. And I mean, not on a delayed steal, not uh-huh. on a not on a throw to second base. Runner comes. He stole on the pitcher. That's awesome. The pitcher's was well, a left-handed pitcher, so he's facing first base. Mm-hmm. Odor was on third, and he broke. And it was. Uh, what is that? As uh, rare of a play in baseball as I mean, that's got to be on the list, right? A straight steal of home. Yeah. You don't see that very often. I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen one sure watching a game. Or even, yeah, maybe watching a game, but certainly live, I, I don't, don't know remember. if I've ever even seen a straight steal. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like you said, the delayed steal. I know I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that, but a straight steal. Pitchers, pitchers uh, you know, going into his motions, hesitates a little bit. Odor breaks, and you can hear the dice going. Is that Jackie Robbins? Was he famous for stealing home? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think that's... He maybe he had the most ever something like that, or the most really? during that era. Huh. I could be off on that, but for whatever reason, when we start talking that, that jumped in my head. Any more though? A stolen bases are yeah, down, right? Across baseball, as I've said, that to me, the Ricky Henderson record's the most untouchable record, in, and there's some other baseball records. Wins, will, right? Wins for sure will never be touched. But you know, single season records. Ricky Henderson, nobody's yeah. going to steal that many bags or over a career, over a single year. Just you don't run anymore. Was a one thirty four? I think the most that he ever had. Unbelievable, I really was. Almost so we'll, the um, game. Cubs cards coming up here with uh, with Brian Walt. All right, game five tonight of the NBA. 
Trent, I don't know what to think. Uh, Durant practiced yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jay Williams apparently had dinner with Kevin Durant last night in Toronto. Jay Williams, I guess, is there for ESPN. Uh, he was on one of ESPN's television morning shows this morning, Get Up or whatever the heck mm-hmm. it's called. Um, I've never seen it. Have you? You have it on every day. What are you talking about? Oh, not Get Up. You have uh, No, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, what's the one I you have, have Stephen on? Stephen A. Smith. A. Smith. Yeah. Um, with the sound down. I don't think the sound works in the studio. To be oh, honest. really? I've never tried. Um, but uh, he, to my point, Jay Williams had dinner with Kevin Durant last night, and his biggest takeaway, and he said apparently said as much on TV this morning, was he will be shocked. And I'm paraphrasing. I'll be shocked if Kevin Durant doesn't give it a go tonight. So what does that give mean? It a shot. Give it a shot. Go mm-hmm. out there. One of the saddest things is uh, that cutaway after the game Friday night. As everyone for the Warriors is making their way back to the locker room, and there's KD mm-hmm. with his hood on, just giving a fist bump to everybody as they're yeah, walking. Yeah. He just looks so sad. Yeah, the whole team looked pretty sad. Well, they they, uh, they were beaten by a better team on Friday night, right? There's Toronto's I a better basketball team. Was so surprised the way that played out. And again, this goes to this is not just us giving Iowa love to an Iowa guy, but Nick Nurse being able to dictate tempo in that game. You know, really, Toronto should have been down eight at the half but yeah but they kept Cut pushing it to what four or what was yeah. it five four or five four yeah right in that area mm-hmm. but in the first half you could see right away what the game plan is and this is a part of the game that i've been enjoying watching so much and i've watched closer i think that i normally do in the nba playoffs it is those coaching decisions we talked a lot about the box and one going back a couple games we've talked about some of the other you know kind of buttons that he's pushed but seemingly you just think about it as a general basketball fan you I know Golden State's good. They like to play fast. They like to shoot three-pointers. In Toronto, because of the way they're built, the depth that they have, they want to dictate tempo. They want to be the Mm -hmm. team playing faster with this current construction of the Warriors, and that's what he did in the first half. I told you, I think it was maybe after Game 3, I thought it was best for Golden State to slow it down, to try to win a game 95-90. That seemed more likely... Nick Nurse said, "You guys aren't going to be able to do that. If you're going to keep up, we'll you're going to have to. You're going to have to run <laughs> yeah. with us. Who would have thought that that would be the basketball mm-hmm. theory that would work to beat the Golden State Warriors? If somebody would have told you that over the last five years in any series, you'd been laughed out of the room. I would have said you don't know about what you're talking about. And here's Nick Nurse pushing yep. that button, pushing tempo. It is incredible. You know, and, and I love the national pundits that continue to talk about him." In such a positive light. It's amazing, isn't it? The yeah. love that Nick Nurse is getting throughout this playoff run. It really and truly is. I mean, you can't read a story that brings up both coaches that doesn't say that Nick Nurse is badly out coaching Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr in his rings. Nick Nurse, rookie head coach, replacing the coach of the year uh, in Toronto. Look, he's done a great job. It's, it's a remarkable, remarkable story. And to that end, and I want to mention this because the kid deserves credit. A friend of ours lost his job on Friday, right? Yes. John Bowenkamp. Um, who was just uh, ironically on with us about two hours. That might have been the last thing he did, did representing the Burlington Hawkeye was come on yeah. with us uh, and talk Hawks uh, and gets laid off. And he's such a good, good guy. And, you know, that you can say that about a lot of guys in that industry that have lost their job. A lot of good guys that have been, you know, tossed out onto the streets just because that's the era that we live in, sadly. And it's I don't know if it's ever going to change. But regardless of that, um, Brandon, I want to get his name. Is it Hanley? You know the story a little bit better. Yeah, I'm not from positive. the Carroll Daily. Okay, is actually he drove. Now the Carroll newspaper, I'm guessing, has to be locally owned because would a 
paper that's corporate owned, that's owned by a bunch of people that don't care. That Hurley. Brandon Hurley. Uh, would they have sent Brandon Hurley to cover the head coaches? I mean, the, the head coaches' local newspaper is in Toronto covering this game tonight. Now, like if it's Carol Daly. If a big conglomerate maybe said, yeah, but you have to drive. Well, he did drive. <laughs> and he did drive. He did drive, yeah. right. But still, I mean, the fact that he's up there, like I hope that it's for his sake. I hope that they don't get blown out. What's he going to do then? Is he going to go to San Francisco, or he, <laughs> does he spend the week in Toronto? It's a because, long cross-country flight. Yeah. Or I mean, drive, Look, I mean. at the, if, if Toronto loses tonight, the, here's, the, here's the consolation. They've still got another game at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, if they lose tonight, they get to play one more in front of the home fans at Scotiabank Place. So, but, but a pretty cool story that he's up there doing that, uh, covering – a Carol kid for the Carol paper, the Carol Daily. Shout out to you. And I think you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and reach out to him. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll give see if he can give us 10 minutes tomorrow. Either way, win or lose, I mean, obviously it'd be a better story if they won. Yes. Just the celebration in downtown Toronto that I'm hopefully he can get caught up in. And um, But I think that's a pretty cool story. In this day and age when newspapers are cut, 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 he jumped in his car, drove 13 14, depends how long the border crossing is. You're right. Because uh, on a Sunday, now I have no idea what time he got there, but on a Sunday, as you know, you can imagine, people that spend the weekend in the States, the border's pretty busy getting mm-hmm. back into your uh, into your country, and they take their sweet time. <laughs> They're in no rush to get you through. At least that's been my experience over the years. A great story, and looking forward to seeing, yeah, what he reports on, yeah. what he's talking about, and, yeah, good for Carol in the newspaper Absolutely. up there. Setting him up there, being able to – Certainly cross something, it sounds like, off his bucket list, too. I know he's a big basketball fan on top of being a newspaper writer. So you're starting out your career in Carroll. You don't exactly probably figure you're going to be. I mean, the highlight is get to cover a state tournament. You know, that's more than likely what what is going to be the the Mm -hmm. best thing that you're going to do in a small-town newspaper. Instead, you're covering the NBA Finals. Yeah, outstanding. We'll take a time out. We'll get into Cubs cards. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. He spent the weekend... Uh, at Wrigley Field. We'll pick his brain next. Uh, Trent and I are live at Principal Park. Players are on the field playing a little long toss here as they prepare for the 12.08 first pitch. It is getaway uh, day down here at the ballpark. Albuquerque is in town. Uh, again, the Cubs are gone now through June the 20th after today. So if you have an opportunity, uh, this is the Colorado Rockies uh, AAA affiliate Albuquerque in town. 12.08 first pitch. Beautiful day for baseball. We'll talk baseball with Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Miller and Condon live at Principal Park on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Tino One. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon. We're live at Principal Park, downtown Des Moines. First pitch, 12.08. Albuquerque and the Iowa Cubs, they finish up the homestand. 12.08 first pitch. The Cubbies go on the road uh, through the – they're back on June the 20th. So June 20th, their next opportunity to get outdoors and uh, come watch the AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Well, the parent club swept the Cardinals. It's been funny how this series has gone between these yes. two teams this year. Sweep, sweep, sweep. Brian Walton spent the weekend uh, at Wrigley Field. Brian uh, writes for the thecardinalnation.com, thecardinalnation.com. He joins us as we take a look back at the weekend. Kind of a disappointing weekend for the Redbirds fans in attendance uh, at Wrigley Field. And by the looks of things, Brian, uh, as a no surprise, um, 
you know, Cardinal fans really found a way to uh, they found their way to Wrigley Field this weekend. There was a good cross section of fans uh, in the building. I thought all weekend long. How are you? I think saying that it was kind of a bad weekend is being very kind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Cardinals had won four of, of one five of six. You know, had coming off that sweep in St. Louis, the, the wins weren't dominating, but the Cardinals still found a way to win, and things were looking up. And you know, they went into Chicago, and Friday's game really was close. I mean, it was one swing by Javier Baez, a two-run home run that was the difference in the game. Uh, but the Cardinals lost their starting pitcher, Miles Michaelis. He got hit hit by a line drive, so they're mm-hmm. strike one. Then. Saturday, they come out and take a nice four-run lead in the first inning. Yep. But Cardinals fans have seen all season long they've done this. They score in the first inning, and then the offense goes dormant. And we saw a very unusual situation on Saturday in that in the last eight innings of that game, the Cardinals did not get a ball out of the infield. Wow. That's and then, amazing. of course, With Sunday, they, Sunday they lose their starting pitcher again, Adam Wainwright, yeah. and the, you know, the drip, 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 and no offense. And you know before you turn around there, the series is over. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Lester was terrific. Flaherty was not, it was clearly not his best performance. As you mentioned, the first inning, Lester gives up four. Uh, Flaherty gives up two in the bottom half of the first inning, so that's a 4-2 game. Was I think it was Schwarber. I watched so much of this series over the weekend. Schwarber would hit a home run. Uh, just an epic at bat, uh, 12, 14 pitches, whatever it was. So let's talk about the injuries. Nicholas first, and then Wainwright yesterday, who left the game, I believe, in the fifth inning, uh, uh, when uh, he, he who's, who ran the bases earlier, the top of the inning, right? And maybe that's what is the ri- reason that's behind this, what they're calling a hamstring. Brian, how about those two starters? Yeah, Michael has, uh, you know, took, a, took a line drive off the arm, and they took him out in a precautionary measure. They wanted to get treatment and, and get it tested. He did not go on the injured list, so you know, it looks like he'll, he'll be okay. Uh, Wainwright, as you mentioned, uh, the, the theory is likely that he – um, suffered the hamstring injury when he was running the bases, stretching out a double. And, again, you know, you hate to blame that on the offense, but the first thing I thought was, well, if the darn offense had scored some runs, maybe he, he wouldn't have felt necessary to try to, you know, stretch himself that way on the bases. But everybody's trying so hard, and so it was a, it was a hustle injury. But the Cardinals rotation hasn't been in good shape anyway, and now you got two guys hobbled. And Dakota Hudson was the only guy who pitched well this last week, and he's the guy – that in the first month of the season, everybody wanted to run out and, and put in AAA. So, you know, the Cardinals are not in a good shape right now offensively or pitching-wise. Speaking of pitching, Waka going to be out there tonight for the Cardinals getting the start. They said uh, Sunday, I believe, they would have used him in long relief if necessary. They were able to cobble it together. But Waka back out there, he had been awful as a starter for a long portion here of the season. What's your anticipation for him and is he there to stay? I know Reyes is getting close. He might be called up soon. Your thoughts on Michael Waka? Well, Michael Waka, um, as folks probably know listening to this, was taken out of the rotation a couple turns ago. And, you know, Waka admitted that, you know, he was just, he was struggling. And the first time that he came in long relief, uh, he, he pitched poorly. Uh, but the last time out, he pitched better. And that showed the Cardinals enough that they're willing to give him another chance. However, they also called up another starting pitcher, from AAA, Daniel Ponce de Leon, who's been up and down over time. And Ponce de Leon is ready to step in. And so Waka will have a very short leash tonight in Miami. Uh, if he doesn't go, they've got another guy ready to roll. As far as whether Waka will stay in the rotation, that's entirely up to how he pitches. Uh, you know, a 6.30 ERA isn't going to get it done. And so, you know, if Waka can get back to where he was before, certainly he, they want him to succeed. And, 
you know, you met, you asked about Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes is back in AAA. He's made a couple of starts. Frankly, they've been uneven. He gave up three home runs in his mm-hmm. first outing. Uh, his second outing, uh, you know, he pitched better, but still not good enough to come up to St. Louis. He's having problems with, you know, being able to locate his pitches. So it's not clear that there's another better. They tried Genesis Cabrera in Waka's first two starts that he missed, and he wasn't ready either. So, you know, it isn't like there's some, you know, hot shot in AAA that's ready to come in and save the day for the Cardinals. Uh, Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com. Well, maybe one of their old veterans, old veterans is kind of <laughs> go hand in hand, right? Um, in in, uh, in Molina is close, Brian. Is that what we're hearing? Apparently, there was some talk that he might join the team last night, but then apparently decided to stay and watch Game Six uh, of the Blues of the Blues as they tried to win a Stanley Cup. But obviously, we know that didn't happen. What about Molina? Is he going to join the team as they uh, go out or stay on the road? First of all, in Miami, and then uh, over to uh, to uh, New York for the weekend. Yeah, it's more likely, Ken, that he'll be playing in in the New York series. He is going to rejoin the team, as I understand it, and he needs to be cleared to to bat. You know, he had a had a basically a a, a, a torn tendon in his in his thumb between his thumb and his four his first finger, and so first he has to you know get cleared to swing the bat. But if all goes well, he'll be back for the weekend series uh, in New York, which begins on Thursday. So a quick aside here, Brian Walton joining us, Cardinal Nation. The Saturday uniforms, the baby blues were a thing of beauty. Maybe it's our era. Maybe that has something to do with it. But can we make that part of the regular rotation? Cardinals already have great uniforms, but those baby blues are excellent. You know, it's a really divisive uh, topic, and it's interesting to hear uh, a younger person say that because, you know, folks who remember the 80s remember those uniforms uh, very fondly, Mm -hmm. 70s and 80s remember those uniforms very fondly. But a lot of folks, you know, say, hey, they're, they're ugly, they're you know they're not great. So they're the Cardinals have have two alternate uniforms. That's one, and they wear them on Saturdays, and that seems to be the only plan right now. I don't think they'll get in a regular rotation unless you know magically the Cardinals start dominating every Saturday, and you know that becomes a good luck charm or something. But uh, <laughs> that isn't certainly happening now. Uh, Carlos Martinez saw some uh, saw some game time last night. It's the first time he'd been in what almost ten days or thereabouts. Brian, uh, what what did they hope to get from him? Now they he uh, what he pitched an inning and two thirds last night, so that was positive. Strikeouts were there, did give up some hits, but uh, the strikeout number got my attention. Car is he um, you know past what was been keeping him out of the lineup, or what was behind that? Well, I'll tell you, Ken. The main reason we haven't seen Carlos Martinez and Jordan Hicks. Is that they're your your eighth and your ninth inning guys wow. when you're ahead and you want to protect the lead? And as we discussed, the Cardinals may get a lead early, but then they lose it. So the closer is and and then Carlos Martinez, the Senate guy, just haven't been used because the Cardinals haven't any games they've needed him. And so Martinez was a little rusty. I mean, he did strike out some guys, but he also gave up hits, which is sort of like what the Alex Reyes situation has been in AAA. But but anyway, we'll see more of Carlos Martinez. We'll see more of Jordan Hicks when the Cardinals start getting some leads. So there was some talk early in the week, Brian, that Hicks was going to be replaced, that they're going to go to Gant and save situations. I think it was last weekend that he bailed them out at some point. Uh, is Hicks reclaimed that job? Is that now his? Because there was some talk of Gant taking over, correct? I don't think I don't think he ever lost the job. Yeah, there was definitely discussion of it. But, I mean, we saw Gant, who had been the most dependable pitcher on the Cardinals staff, 
a guy that you know there was talk about he might be an all star this year. You know, he got banged around in in middle relief in Chicago as well, as as did uh, John Brevia, who is their probably their other most dependable reliever. So no, I don't think John Gant's going to be the closer. I I think. Uh, at this point in time, it's still Hicks's job to lose. He had he had one definitely bad outing the last time out, and you know unfortunately he again is, isn't getting used regularly. Seven in the next eleven games against the Marlins. A series in between is against the Mets, who are playing very well themselves. It feels like if things are going to start to get turned around, this is as good a time as any. When you see the Marlins, uh, two of the next three series, got to find a way to pile up wins. Does it feel that way to you too, Brian? Absolutely. You know, you're playing the worst team in the National League. And, you know, whether it's in their ballpark or not shouldn't matter. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals have got to go in there and dominate. Now, it still doesn't take the sting away from the fact that, you know, they haven't been able to beat the Chicago Cubs regularly. But, you know, they're not going to be in Wrigley again until the very last road trip of the year, you know, in September. And so there's three months of baseball to be played in the interim. And the Cardinals have to, you know, try to make up ground against these weaker teams like Miami and, and the Mets. And then, you know, of course, the Marlins uh, come again to uh, St. Louis next week. So lots of opportunities for the Cardinals to rack up some wins, even though, uh, you know, even though the pitching's banged up, the hitting, you know, they're in, actually in pretty good shape health-wise. It's just, you know, they're not swinging the bats well. And so, They've got to figure out what's wrong and, and correct that. Uh, 99 games left, Brian Walton, but not a good week. It was real tight there at the top between three teams, but seeing a little separation here as we uh, approach the midway point of the month of June as the Cubs and the Brewers, kind of a little separation between them and the Cardinals now. Absolutely. Five and a half games. Uh, you know, you look at the Cubs and the Brewers, they're both 10 games over 500. The Cardinals are one game under 500. And they're actually, uh, you know, only two and a half games from last place sitting down with the Reds. So, yeah, you know, there is some separation. And as, as Trent mentioned, they've got to play well in this stretch against poor teams to, you know, sort of get them back in the race. And, you know, granted, I'm not going to say any series is, you know, mandatory at this point in the year, but the Cardinals are on a, a downward trend and they've got to reverse that. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Talk to you again soon. Yes, you will, indeed. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com, is the cubby sweep for the Cardinals. Again, they, they played three series, and home team has swept them. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it really is. Did you see what the uh, what the Cubs um, game day operations people did yesterday on, nope. the, on the Jumbotron? Trolling the Cardinal fans that were in attendance, they showed one of the Bruins' goals. Oh, no. <laughs> How about that? A little salt in the wound, right? Yeah, yeah. As, as the baseball team was about to get swept, they decided, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it rub, it, rub their nose in a little bit more, and they put up a Bruins highlight. Miami 4 3, then the Mets for 4 no, on the road. Miami played Brewers very tough. They did. They, what was it? That 16 0 yeah, game? Yeah. Uh, Miami again after that, mm-hmm. home for the Angels. Hmm? Home for Oakland for two. Oakland's yeah okay. They got at, a chance to make it's, it's this important part of the schedule. I get your point. And then they go west, but it's at San Diego, who's okay. At yeah. Seattle, who has fallen apart, awful. And at San Francisco, who's the second worst team in the National League. I mean, this boy. So when when does that take them to? That's got to take them almost to the All Star. It break. does take them. That's that is up to the All Star break. Wow, they got a Trent. This whether they get to the playoffs or not, I think this is really. We'll be able to look back at. Those last three weeks of the month of June, twenty-five whether, games here. Yeah, I mean, are, are we really talking baseball teams? Sixteen and nine, half. Yes. have to be fifteen and ten. 
to feel 15 good. 15 and 10 minimum. Minimum. I, I think, especially because yeah. you said this, this is a pl- an opportunity to make some hay. All right, we're going to talk Cyclones next. Uh, Dylan Montz is going to join us. We're going to do some. It's June. Trent, Dylan, and I, we've got we've got one C set of season tickets. We're going to do a draft. All right. We're going to do a draft. You get to go. What What do you think that if you were a Cyclone fan mm-hmm. and you're in a draft, which I mean, I think the two marquee games are clearly Iowa and Texas. Yes. Who do you think? What What percentage of Cyclone fans would choose the Cyhawk game as opposed to the Texas game? That number is huge. That would take that game, but the number that would admit it, yeah, is much point. lower. Excellent point. I uh, will uh, talk to Dylan Montz next. Scott Dockerman on the Hawkeyes at eleven twenty-five. Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs going to join us. We'll do some uh, inside baseball with Randy. We'll do some AAA stuff, but we'll talk about the guys that have graduated and the impact they're having on that big club of the Chicago Cubs as they sweep the Cardinals. Brewers hold serve. These two teams are really going to battle it out uh, through the months to come. Miller and Condon live at Principal Park on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, live at Principal Park. First pitch is 12.08, getaway day for Albuquerque and for the Iowa Cubs. I-Cubs back in town on the 20th of June. Well, let's talk Iowa State, shall we? Dylan Montz joins us, as he does seemingly every Monday throughout the year, as we double him up during the football and basketball season. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Dylan Montz. How are you? Doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing pretty well, Dylan, and I uh, love talking to you as always. And thought today we'd, uh, you know, kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. And uh, Iowa State's home schedule uh, is compared to Iowa's that really doesn't have a marquee game. Penn State would would fill that role. But if you're a if you're in a you know a group of guys that uh, bought one season ticket, you do those draft as a lot of people do, whether you know what, regardless of what sport. I think it's a difficult decision, or maybe it isn't, uh, as far as to what game would come off the uh, the list of available games first. Of course, the Cyhawk game is played there this year. Texas comes to town this year. That's been a good game as of late. Tom Herman, etc. We know the history there. What do you think would be the most popular game in those drafts? If you were, you know, a bunch of Cyclone fans, and you get to. You take your turn, and then I'll take the second-best game type of thing. Would it be the Iowa game, do you think, in your mind, that would be the most the most uh, quickly snapped-up game of, of that list? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I would definitely go with Texas and Iowa as a 1A, 1B, and I, I guess you could kind of interchange those a little bit. I'd, I'd, I'd maybe lean Iowa, though, actually, just because how early it always falls in the season and um, how much of a tone setter that could be because, um, you know, you start off with UNI, then you have Louisiana Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to Baylor, which I think will actually be a pretty tough game with, with kind of how Matt Rule is, is building up that program. And then you come back with TCU at home, too. So they, they have a pretty um, front-loaded schedule in terms of home games. So um, that's obviously going to be a big one. And then uh, just with, with the recent history of Iowa uh, being able to to you know, win the last four, I think it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of paramount, I guess, uh, like we've talked about in the past, for them to get over the hump, win that game, start off with uh, you know a good record, and not have to always climb out of the hole like they've done the last couple of years. Um, I, I think is, is probably uh, why I would go that way. Another uh, point that you'd throw in there for the Iowa versus Texas game, I, I think 
is you know it's an afternoon game. You know it's a 3 o'clock start. The TBA still standing next to that Texas. Very well could be 11 a.m. kickoff. It's going to be cold. Very well could be awful weather at that point in time. You're going to take a game in the middle of September over a game in the middle of November, I think, nine times out of ten. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and it's, you know, you, you still get a little bit of time to tailgate with that Iowa game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Texas, depending on how both teams obviously end up, they could put that in prime time. But just as we know it right now, I think, um, you know, you got to lean Iowa just because of the implications that could exist in terms of, um, you know, the way you start off your season and kind of get good vibes going. So let me pick up on that point, Dylan. There was uh, a lot of conferences filled in a lot of blanks as to kickoff times. Uh, in this past week, the Big 12 is, is yet to do that. Do you anticipate that we will hear, um, and it's all dictated by TV, as we know, but do you anticipate we'll be able to fill in a couple of those kickoff times, game times, uh, here this week? I'm, I'm surprised that the Big 12 has, and I'm, I'm kind of glad, as Trent pointed out last week, I, I was saying if you were a Big 12 fan, you got schedule or kickoff time envy, but if you know, with everybody being out there, you got to get the spotlight to yourself. Will we find out that any of those kickoff times this week, do you think? Yeah, potentially. Um, in the way the Big 12 has done it in the past, they've, they've maybe done a couple of the early ones, but then um, they really do kind of go week to week. They You can kind of, as you go in for Monday press conferences or Monday teleconferences, you can kind of, um, you know, put the, the next week's time slot in uh, to a notebook or something that you write just because they do kind of, just go a week or two out, kind of given how the week falls, and um, you know they, they they try to find those good matchups and, and put them in prime time. And you know if somebody's rising, like if Baylor comes out and, and you know plays pretty well, maybe they would put them a little bit later in the day. So uh, yeah, it, it's possible that we could find out a couple times this week. But um, for the most part, I think a lot of those games uh, tend to be um, uh, left alone until the season, so they can kind of figure out how teams are doing. All right, Dylan, so you're in one of these drafts with your buddies. You're, you're not a beat writer. You don't have a, sh- a place in the press box. <laughs> and they drew number one and two in your draft. You're the third person. You don't get the Iowa game. You don't get the Texas game. You have your choice at number three. What is the third best home game on the schedule? I know where I would go. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say Kansas, even though I'd like to see last mile's eat grass. Um, maybe that would be kind of, that'd be, uh, you know, on, on the bucket list. Uh, it might be kind of hard to do it in late November, but I'd say I'd probably go, um, I'm going to go Oklahoma State. I think, uh, having that mid, you know, you're coming off two road games, um, mm-hmm. if sandwiched in between the, uh, game at Oklahoma. So I think that's, that's going to be a pretty big one in terms of, um, you know, it, it, it could be a tipping point in terms of how they're they're doing in the Big 12 because you go at West Virginia, which I think I think they'll be better than West Virginia this year. They've they've had a lot of defections, new coaching staff, and you're at Texas Tech, new coaching staff as well. Um, although I think they could be an improved team, but Oklahoma State, um, I, I think that's probably one with uh, their firepower that they always seem to have on offense and, and some changes they've made there. Uh, I think that one's kind of a marquee game as well. Yeah, I'm with you. The TCU game is big as well. They, mm-hmm. they don't, they've got a quarterback question. I think it's going to be Rodgers, but will remain to be seen. But but what about this, guys? You you haven't seen your football team. Well, n- not a lot of people saw the Drake game. So <laughs> so since November, and I don't blame them. Um, and that's no knock to either one of them. It was you know the circumstances made it what it is. But you haven't seen your team in months. It's been a hot summer. You got an opportunity to get back out there and tailgate with your friends. The U and I game for that reason, yeah. I think, holds a special place. Now, Dylan, what do you anticipate 
And we know Iowa's going to kick off at night. That Not that that's going to dictate how Jamie Pollard decides to schedule the game. Um, but if you're listening, Jamie, for for us out there, the media, <laughs> we'd love you to throw your bone and play this in the afternoon so we can watch them both and not have to flip back and forth, having said that. Uh, we know what happened last year. I don't think that will factor in one little bit, right? We hear lightning doesn't strike twice. I find it hard to believe that the weather would force the cancellation of this game if he played it at night. Uh, we, we do get rain and weather, after all, during the daylight hours. What time do you think this uh, UNI game will kick off, Dylan? Yeah, last time uh, Jamie Pollard spoke about it, he was pretty steadfast in his belief that um, – you know, it, it hasn't happened like that ever uh, where they've had to cancel a game in that fashion. So I think he likes, obviously, to, to build it down into a full day for people where you can go out and, like you said, spend time in the tailgating lots and kind of get back into the, the rhythm of football season and then play it at night. So I'd say like a 6 or 7 o'clock kickoff is probably the destiny for that one. And it, it will be kind of special because you do kind of – it. it Having to be an in-state game is always a little bit different, too, than what a South Dakota State or a North Dakota State was in the past because you can kind of, um, you know, you, you started right there with at home with an in-state team. It's, mm-hmm. it's always kind of special. So, yeah, I, I would anticipate it be a, a primetime game or, or later at night and, and go and play TV. Dylan, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, I saw you tweet out a picture over the weekend from the big man camp. Was that one of your pictures? Did they allow you in? I, I don't consider you a big man by any means. No, uh, yeah, maybe some days if I if I stop running a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I went there over the weekend. It was the first time I'd been able to, to get up to camp this year. That was the, the third one they've held. And um just like to go up and kind of check those out every once in a while and, and see what was going on. But they had a few commits there. Hayden Poles, who was in the picture that I tweeted, to the 2020 offensive line commit from Kansas. And then they had a couple there in the evening with – um, Zach Tweet, uh, the 2021 um, prospect from Roland Story. They had Cole Peterson um, from Central Decatur, a linebacker. Um, so they, they had a few different guys there, uh, you know, just to kind of bring them in camp, work them out, and then obviously a lot of other kids there um, go, go to learn as well. So kind of a, a you know eye-opening thing just to kind of see how they test those kids and, and maybe um, how evaluation processes take place, but, uh, you know, really valuable and, um, I didn't even have to sneak my way in. I could just kind of walk in and, and stand along the sidelines and take it all in. Uh, Dylan Mont, James Tribune. So, Dylan, what what game would go last in our in our little uh, in our draft? Kansas game, Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe. Monroe? Yeah. yeah, probably yeah, so. It, right it, for me, it's got to be Louisiana Monroe. I mean, Kansas. Yeah, almost Big Twelve games, and the other ones would, would be down there, just given um, what the program's been. But Louisiana Monroe is, is kind of a sleepy one, in my opinion. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com is where you can uh, read Dylan and Travis Hines and the entire paper uh, over there. Thank you, Dylan. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Yep, sounds good, guys. Thank you. Yep, come on, Ames Tribune, as we talk a little Iowa State. Iowa hit about 11, 25, with Scott Dockerman of The Athletic. Randy Wayhofer is next. As Trent and I come to you live from Principal Park. It's getaway day, Albuquerque and Iowa. Uh, 12.08 is first pitch. It is absolutely spectacular out. As you know, if you can get away from the office, come on down, spend a few winnings. As they are on the road through June 20th. Hour 2, Miller and Condon next on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.